Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time for a movie deep dive on The Big Lebowski. But first, support for uh, the Pointless Exercise Podcast, including the movie deep dive, is brought to you by Manscaped. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. Uh, Mike, did, did you get yours in the mail? Um, I got mine uh, today, actually, and, and here I'm showing. It's an audio-only podcast, but I am showing my Manscaped box here. This thing looks pretty cool. This thing, it, it actually looks nicer than my car. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Don't try to drive it. I won't. <clears throat> that felt like a proof of life video. Like you should have also had the newspaper and then hold up so I could see that it was actually today's date when it, when it arrived. We're going to do the Decipio gender reveal podcast. At some point. <laughs> <laughs> so Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents Oh, I don't even like to think about that. Thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology, I now feel confident shaving my boys. This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. I don't know if you've tried it yet, but there are there's a vast number of settings on the power thing. There's on and there's off. Nope, that's those two. Just that's yeah, multi. That's multi. More than one is multi. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. If you get trapped in a well with your shaver, it could save your life. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. And did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help Battery length lasts longer. It's not all ball bearings these days. Now it's all magnets. And men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. It's time to get your own ball, hair, and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth boys. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Dive, that's D-I-V-E, at manscaped.com. 
your balls will thank you. Once again, you get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code DIVE at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. So there you have it. So for, for people who haven't listened to one of these movie deep dive podcasts, and I can't imagine that there's anybody left who hasn't listened to all of them. <laughs> uh, Mike Pusateri is not only our Bears expert, he is an actual real-life actor and comedian. And we go through some of our favorite movies, and I pretty much make fun of them, and Mike makes fun of them, but Mike will actually tell us important movie-making things. So think of it as, I'm sure you can get college credit, I think, just for listening to these podcasts. Take it up with the registrar at your local college and see. Um, so in addition to this, you can, if you haven't subscribed to the, uh, pointless exercise podcast, you should, there's other podcasts. There's a Cubs podcast. There's a remember this crap podcast. And then there's this also, you can, if you, if you don't just like free stuff, you could pay to subscribe to the pointless exercise newsletter and you could follow as at pointlessexercise.com. You could follow me on the Twitters at twitter.com slash discipio.com all spelled out. And Mike, how can the people uh, see your uh, presence on the World Wide Web? Well, they can see that uh, for free on my website. I do not charge for website visits. At uh, you should. Everybody's Mike, doing it. <laughs> MikePusateri.com. Um, the Twitters is at Mike Pusateri, and uh, the Insta I am Mike Pusateri and IMDb. Mike Pusateri 2, for those of you keeping track. The one thing I was going to say, Andy, before we get started, next time, have Manscaped send you the long ad copy. <laughs> so we can really get into the details. I just, I'm Ron Burgundy. I read whatever they give me. I will read it. Although, actually, there is copy here that uh, it says, do not read. Hmm. Host to talk about a time when he's hurt his balls while trimming below the belt or a funny ball trimming story. <laughs> How has Manscaped helped your confidence? Um, I did not. It said do not read that. I did not read that. Although yeah. I think I just read that. I think you might have technically, yeah. But, but you know, who doesn't have a funny ball trimming story? Yeah, they want, I mean, come on. It's all, with the world. it's all funny ball <laughs> trimming stories these days. These days. But that's a different movie. And when we spin... After this one, it could be that one. It could be we're, that one. It's, we're getting down pretty low on the joint list. Yeah. Speaking of joint. That's, yes, that's quite a transition. Yeah. Not the best color man in the business for nothing. <laughs> so The Big Lebowski, of course, a Coen Brothers movie written by Ethan and Joel Coen. One of my favorite stories about uh, Joel Coen is that, um, do you know why Bill Murray did the Garfield movies? Well, I know that he thought he got he was confused as to what it was. He thought it was a Coen Brothers movie, right? Because the writer of the, Gar- the first Garfield movie is named Joel Cohen. Right. It's not this Joel Cohen. So he said <laughs> yes without reading it. Hilarious. And then re- realized that he really liked the check and he just okay. kept making the Garfield movies. Nice. I mean, for me, it's like I think it's probably a top 3 Coen Brothers movie. Up there, with I, thought the, I thought you were going to say a top three movie for you because I feel like you're very, you're totally into the Big Lebowski. I love the Big Lebowski, absolutely. Yeah. Right uh, up there with uh, Raising Arizona, right? Uh, Fargo, right? And uh, 
And then just, I like all the funny ones, like Old Country for No Men. Laugh yes. a minute. That <laughs> that's, that's a very lighthearted movie. It's just hysterical. Yeah. Uh, it came out in 1998. Uh, originally, they were going to film this before Fargo, but uh, they had a conflict with John Goodman, who's in lots of Coen Brother movies. Mm-hmm. He was uh, couldn't get out of shooting Roseanne, so they went and, ah, what's, what do we else we got in the desk? Oh, let's make this movie called Fargo. We'll get to the Big <laughs> Lebowski eventually. Yeah. And so they did. It just feels like the dude is Jeff Bridges. Yeah, well, it's interesting because normally they do write these characters with people in mind. They wrote Walter with John Goodman in mind and Donnie with Steve Buscemi in mind. But they said they had no, they did not have anybody in mind when writing the dude. Yeah, I, I think it's because of the dude is based on two real people, which is probably why they um, we might as well get into that right now. So the, the dude is mostly inspired by Jeff Dowd, a film producer and political activist that the brothers met while they were trying to find distribution for their first movie, Blood Simple. Uh, he had been a member of the Seattle 7, which the dude references. He yeah. liked to drink white Russians, and he was known as the dude. Uh, he was also partly based on a friend of theirs called, named Peter Exline, who is actually a member of the faculty at USC's uh, School of Cinematic Arts. He was a Vietnam War veteran. Uh, he lived in a dump of an apartment and was proud of a little rug that really tied the room together. Look at that. The movie wrote itself. Um, one of the best details from this is that at one point, uh, his car got impounded by the LAPD. And uh, he, had, he had a friend of his uh, help him get it out of impound, and they found an eighth grader's homework under the passenger seat. I don't know if it was Larry Sellers. <laughs> but, uh, was it about the Louisiana Purchase? Did it? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it got graded a little better than Larry Sellers did. Yeah, Larry did not do well. Not a great student, Larry. All right. So the the Big Lebowski opens with a voiceover, and it's funny in the script. Uh, it says we hear male voices gently singing t- "Tumbling Tumbleweeds," and a deep, affable Western accented voice, Sam Elliott's, perhaps. It might be. Yes. You know, so it's written in the script before they'd gotten Sam Elliott. They just suggested in the script that that would be a good guy to have read their opening. And, of course, he is. Well, when you're, when you're the Coen brothers, you can pretty much get who you want. That's pretty cool. Yes, now, Sam Elliott, this is his second. We, this is, we should probably notify him of this. I'm sure he'll be thrilled. This is his second movie of his that we're doing yeah. in a row. In a row. Yeah, there's, there's a few recurring uh, yeah. movie deep dive people. Yes. Um, it's also Philip Seymour Hoffman, who plays a younger version of Art Howe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, of course, John Turturro yes. from uh, Rounders and uh, Jesus in this movie, or the Jesus. So the movie opens with, uh, we're kind of flying, we're following a tumbleweed, and we're kind of floating over L.A., and we eventually uh, find a very well-dressed dressed man wandering through a Ralph supermarket. The dude It says uh, Tracking in on a 40-ish man in Bermuda shorts And sunglasses at the dairy case He is the dude His rumpled look and relaxed manner Suggest a man in whom carelessness runs deep Sometimes there's a man I won't say a hero Because what's a hero But sometimes there's a man 
And I'm talking about the dude here. Sometimes there's a man, well, he's the man for his time and place. He fits right in there. And that's the dude in Los Angeles. And even if he's a lazy man, and the dude was most certainly that, quite possibly the laziest in Los Angeles County, which would place him high in the running for laziest worldwide. But sometimes there's a man. Sometimes there's a man. And so we see him, and he's uh, he's on the dairy case, and he is um, he's feeling the half and halves to see if they're cold. And then mm-hmm. one of them, he actually opens right in the store to smell it, which is always good. Classic. And half by writing a check. Yes. For 69 cents. Right. One of the things they pointed out is that because you can hear George H.W. Bush giving a speech, they can actually tell what date this would be. And the dude writes the check for a year and a month later. He postdates a check by a year for 69 cents. Now, here's something else I'll add to that. Did you notice the date he puts on the check? September 11th. September 11th. September 11th, 1991, 10 years prior yes. to the day of September 11th, and followed immediately, immediately by Poppy Bush on television. So you're saying that the, the Big Lebowski predicted the events of 9-11. I'm saying Nostradamus himself could not have been more clear than the dude was in this prediction. One of my favorite things about this is the, I have the, you can get the script, you can just you can get it online. And not much changes. The script is basically what you see in the movie, except there are a few notable uh, exceptions. And one of them is in this first scene where after he pays for the half and half, the next scene was supposed to be him walking through the parking lot <laughs> with a bag boy carrying a bag with just the half and half in it to his car for him. And the dude's first line in the movie was supposed to be, it's the LeBaron. <laughs> and I don't know if they cut it out because it, the car in the movie is not a LeBaron. It's a, right. it's a Grand Torino. Or maybe it's just a Torino. I guess it's a Ford Torino. It's not even a Grand Torino. It's a Torino. Right. They couldn't use the LeBaron because John Goodman was too big to get in and out of the LeBaron that they had picked out for it. So they, had, they went up a size in the car. <laughs> really? Yes. Wow. I like that. Yeah. That's good. We see him go home, and he turns on the light, and he is immediately grabbed from behind and shoved through his house into the bathroom, face first, into the toilet. Talk about just getting the movie off, starting the movie off with a bang. I, I hope that I never have to act in something where I'm required to have my face... <laughs> thrown into a toilet because i always want is that a real that's a real toilet how clean is that (laughs) well i know um, people clean that but i'm not i'm not i'm not digging that well the the tragedy of it all is that the half and half does not survive no it gets it gets blasted all over the toilet too so even that his trip to ralph's was for naught because (laughs) he doesn't even get to have the half and half anymore there's 69 cents down the drain so there's two guys. One guy who is simply credited as uh, uh, originally in the movie Blonde, and then later he gets upgraded to Blonde 
Treehorn Thug. That's good. Uh, and then the other guy is Wu. Well, the blonde Treehorn Thug says, we want that money, Lebowski. Bunny said you were good for it. Where's the money, Lebowski? And he keeps shoving Lebowski's head into the toilet. And he, as he asks him a question, then he shoves him in again so that the, the dude cannot actually respond. Uh, where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the fucking money, shithead? At that point, he finally has the dude out of it. And the dude has the, <laughs> the great line, which ends up being his first line in the movie because they didn't shoot the scene with the bag boy. Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. Oh. Don't fuck with us. The blonde guy says, you see what happens? You see what happens, Lebowski? Um... And the dude says, look, nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude. Your name is Lebowski. Your wife is Bunny. He goes, Bunny, look, moron. He holds up his hands. You see a wedding ring? Does this place look like I'm fucking married? And then the dude says, the toilet seat is up. (laughs) In the script, he said, all my plants are dead. So there's the, there might be the one time they let uh, Jeff Bridges uh, ad lib. Okay, all right. Uh, the blonde guy. Um, oh, i sorry. Wu has not unzipped his pants yet. Uh, the blonde guy holds up a bowling ball and goes, the fuck is this? To which the dude says, obviously, you're not a golfer. Great line. Blind man drops the ball and pulverizes some more tiles. Then the Chinese man has unzipped his pants. Uh, the blonde guy goes, wasn't this guy, starts to look around and goes, wasn't this guy supposed to be a millionaire? Yeah. And he goes, what do you think? He goes, he looks like a fucking loser. And then he pees on the rug, to which dude says, hey, at least I'm housebroken. So, so one of the things that we do in these podcasts is, is kind of point out things that maybe, maybe don't make the most amount of sense in a film. And you would think these guys showing up at this apartment, that something might go off, you know, hey, maybe this isn't the exact Lebowski we're looking for. These are, these are not the smartest guys. No. I mean, the Ricketts family owns a baseball team. <laughs> Weird stuff happens. They do. We go to the bowling alley, and we join them in mid-conversation. And there's three guys there. There's, there's the dude. There's his friend, Walter Sobchak, played by John Goodman. And then there's Donnie, played by... Um, Steve Buscemi. And right away, they set up one of the great running jokes in the entire movie is that Daddy's always just a little bit behind and never quite knows what they're talking about. So while they're talking, he's bowling. This was a... Yeah, man, it really tied the room together. So this was a valued... Uh, yeah. Tied the room together, dude? My rug. Were you listening to the dude's story, Donnie? Walter. Were you listening to the dude's story? I was bowling. So you have no frame of reference here, Donnie. You're like a child who wanders into Walter, the middle of a movie and wants what, to know... Walter, what's the point, man? There's no reason. Here's my point, dude. There's no fucking reason why these... Yeah, people... Walter, what's your point? Huh? Walter, what is the point? Look, we all know who is at fault here. What the fuck are you talking about? Huh? No, what the fuck are you... I'm not... We're talking about unchecked aggression here, What the dude. fuck is he talking my about? My rug. Forget look, it, Donnie. You're Walter, out of your element. Walter, the Chinaman who peed on my rug, I can't go give him a bill. So what the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? The Chinaman is not the issue here, dude. I'm talking about drawing a line in the sand, dude. Across this line, you do not. Also, dude, Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature. Asian American, please. 
Walter, this isn't a guy who built the railroads here. This is a guy. What the fuck are you Walter, talking? he peed on my rug. He peed on the dude's rug. Donnie, you're out of your element. Dude, the Chinaman is not the issue here. So who, who? Jeff Lebowski, the other Jeffrey Lebowski, the millionaire. That's fucking interesting, man. That's fucking interesting. We see the dude walking through a, uh, a opulent home. Dude. As we don't see him, we immediately think it starts with him like looking at the wall of uh, plaques and honors. Mm-hmm. There's a young man who's walking him through it, and it just happens to be Philip Seymour Hoffman. The great, the great Philip Seymour Hoffman. Now, here's another question for you. How does the dude, how does he get an audience with the big Lebowski? I can't see how he would get past Brant. Brant must not be doing his job too No, well. he, can't, he can't be very good at it. No. As he knows nothing about the, about, uh, the other Lebowski. Right. He's looking at the pictures, and it's a picture of Mr. Lebowski and Nancy Reagan. Right. And the dude goes, is that Lebowski on the left? <laughs> He's he's handicapped, huh? Mr. Lebowski is disabled, yes. And this picture was taken when Mrs. Reagan was first lady of the nation. Yes, he yes. stresses that. Yes, not of California. Not of California. He's like, far yeah. out. He finally gets a sit down with, um, with the other Lebowski, uh, who does not seem all that uh, enthused that he's talking to uh, the dude, probably once he got a good look at him. Now, the, the big Lebowski is the great David Huddleston, mm-hmm. known probably best for Blazing Saddles. <laughs> Classic. Where he has the, the famous line, um, after Gabby Johnston comes up and does the... Run, run. Oh, there it is, that authentic frontier gibberish. <laughs> and evidently they they did you know they wanted to they were like trying to get marlon brando to do this mm-hmm. there were quite a few actors they were trying to get to do this and uh but david david huddleston is a fantastic big lebowski yes you gotta love this big lebowski uh you know i'll they, say it again you told brand on the phone he told me i know what happened yes yes oh so you know that they were trying to piss on your rug did i urinate on your rug you mean, did you personally come and pee on my rug? Hello. Do you speak English, sir? Parla usted inglés? I'll ask you again. Did I urinate on your rug? No, like I said, woo, peed on my rug. I just want to understand this, sir. Every time a rug is micturated upon in this fair city, I have to compensate the person? Come on, man. I'm not trying to scam anybody here. Uh, you know, I, I'm just... Uh... You're just looking for a handout like every other... Are you employed, Mr. Lebowski? Well, wait, wait, let me let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Uh, Are you employed, sir? Employed? <laughs> You don't go out looking for a job dressed like that, do you? On a weekday? Is this a... What day is this? And then as he's really getting lectured, there's a great um, thing where he just kind of kicks back and starts fishing around in his cardigan pocket for his sunglasses. And he just puts them on. He's completely... He's done. Yeah, he's checked out. And then the door slams behind the dude. And uh, 
Brand asked him how the meeting was, and dude's like, okay, the old man told me to take any rug in the house. <laughs> now, one thing I thought, maybe uh, you know, on, on subsequent uh, viewings, it's very interesting that when Lebowski says the thing about a Chinaman took my legs, it really felt like at some point Lebowski would be like, that's not the preferred nomenclature. Right. It's Asian American. Because one of the things that happens in this movie, especially with him, is he repeats things that other people have just told him. Right. He it it, it kind of yeah. recurs over and over again. Right. You know, the whole, there's the line in the sand thing. There's just, there's a whole bunch of them. And it seemed yeah. like we were headed to one right away and they didn't do it. The next shot then is Brant and Lebowski walking outside and there's a, somebody who works in the house has a rolled up carpet on his shoulder and they're going to go load it into the dude's car, which in the script is, the dude tells him it's the LeBaron, but we know it's right. not. Not the LeBaron. As he walks by, he sees an attractive young lady uh, painting her toenails on the, uh, on a lawn chair. And that young lady's name is? Tara Reed. That's right. Well, Bunny Lebowski, I guess. Bunny, yes, very good. Blow on them. Huh? Go ahead. Blow. You want me to blow on your uh, toes? Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't blow that far. Are you sure he won't mind? Bowie doesn't care about anything. He's a nihilist. Oh, that must be exhausting. You're not blowing. Our guest has to be getting along, Mrs. Lebowski. Oh, your bunny. I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. Wonderful woman. We're all we're all very fond of her. Very free spirited. Brand can't watch though, or he has to pay a hundred. <laughs> That's marvelous. <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to go find a cash machine. And he looks over his shoulder and he sees a man passed out in an inflatable chair in the pool. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. you're sure he won't mind? Now, in the movie, this is Uli, also the great Carl Hungus. Yeah. But in the script, he's Dieter. I don't know why they had to change Dieter to Uli. Okay. But they did. That's the great Peter... Stormare? Stormare, yeah. Stormare? Who has made a career out of playing crazy Russians, including yeah. uh, one in Armageddon with Steve Buscemi. But in this, he gets to play a crazy German nihilist. Well, and let us not forget Fargo, where he's yes. feeding the wood, feeding the wood right. chipper. That's exactly right. Yeah. Back to the bowling alley. Uh, we do that a lot. Yep, a lot of bowling. This is, this is what, every movie of ours that we've, is all sports movies. Yeah. Yeah, and this right? is this is one of the finest bowling movies ever made, I think. It's this and Kingpin, I would say. Dude walks in, Donnie's already there. Uh, it's the first uh, time we see, um, or we notice that Donnie is wearing a bowling shirt that doesn't have his name on it. It has somebody mm-hmm. else's name. I think this one's EC. I didn't write them all down. But he wears several bowling shirts in the movie, and ne- none of them ever say Donnie. <laughs> They're always somebody else's. And then the dude wears one towards the end of the movie, and it doesn't have his name on it either. Yeah, it says art, I think, right? <laughs> uh, Walter comes in, and he's um, he's got a big leather satchel in one hand and a large plastic carrier in the other. First of all, dude, you don't have an accent. Secondly, this is a fucking show dog with fucking papers. You can't board it. It gets upset. Its hair falls out. Walter. Fucking no. dog has fucking papers. Over the line! Huh? 
I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line. That's a foul. Bullshit. Market eight, dude. Uh, excuse me. Market zero. Next frame. Bullshit, Walter. Market eight, dude. Smokey, this is not nom. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey, Walter, come on. It's just... Hey, man, it's Smokey. So his toe slipped over a little, you know? It's just a game, man. This is a league game. This determines who enters the next round robin. Am I wrong? Yeah, but I wasn't... Am I wrong? Yeah, but I wasn't over. Give me the marker, dude. I'm marking an eight. Smokey, my friend. You're entering a world of pain. Walter, man. You mark that frame an eight, you're entering a world of pain. I'm not... A world of pain. Look, dude, I... This is your partner. Has the whole world gone crazy? Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? Market zero. They're calling the cops, man. Put the piece away. Market zero. Walter, put the piece away. Walter? You think I'm fucking around here? Market zero. All right, it's fucking zero. Are you happy, you crazy fuck? The league game, Smokey. This is a league game, Smokey. And you know who's playing Smokey? I do not. One of three prominent musicians in the movie. This would be um, Jimmy Dale Gilmore is playing Smokey. We'll also see Flea, of course. He's one of the Nihilists. And then Amy Mann plays one of the Nihilist girlfriends. But Jimmy Dale's the most prominent one. Jimmy Dale has said that over the course of his life since the movie, he's been asked at least a hundred times by people if he was over the line. He says he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Okay, good. <laughs> Love that. One of the things I really like is after this scene ends, the dude and Walter get get in the get in dude's car, and they're just kind of having a calm discussion, and you hear all these police sirens. Mm-hmm. And then you hear the doors to the police cars close and cops run into the bowling alley. They are clearly responding <laughs> to Walter pulling the gun on Smokey. Right. And there's the dude and Walter's in the car and they don't have a care in the world. No. They just, they just don't care. Not a care, not a clue. Next scene after that, dude goes home again. And um, he's laying on his nice big Persian rug. But while he's laying there, he gets uh, four voicemails, or I guess not voicemails. He gets answering machine has four messages on it. Right, answering machine, yeah. Yes, because it's you hear the clicks and the word. Dude, this is Smokey. Look, I don't want to be a hard on about this, and I know it wasn't your fault, but I just thought it was fair to tell you that Gilbert and I will be submitting this to the league and asking them to set aside the realm. I don't know, maybe forfeit it to us. So, like I say, just thought, you know, fair warning. Tell Walter. I'm sorry. Mr. Lebowski, this is Brand at, uh, well, at Mr. Lebowski's office. Please call us as soon as it's convenient. Mr. Lebowski, this is Bell Selinger of the Southern Cal Bowling League. I just got a, an informal report that a member of your team, uh, Walter Solchak, drew a firearm during league play. If this is true, of course, it contravenes a number of the league's bylaws and also Article 27 of the league. Doorbell rings, swings open, there's a guy there, and uh, it, you, first you think it's just like one of his neighbors has stopped by to tell him the right. good news that he finally has a venue for his interpretive dance. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's dance, Tuesday dance, night. His dance quintet, yes. I believe he calls it, right. Yes, perform my dance quintet, you know, my cycle. 
at Crane Jackson's Fountain Street Theater on Tuesday night. I'd love it if you'd come and give me notes. Dude, of course, drinking a white Russian. He takes yep. a swig of that. It's like, sure, Alan, I'll be there. And then, uh, actually, it's Alan in the script, but uh, I forget what the guy's name is in the movie. It's not the same thing. Yeah, I don't think it's Alan. So they do, tomorrow's already the 10th. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay. Far out. Just uh, slip the rent under the door. Oh, yeah, okay. So we don't know how long it's been since the dude paid rent, but it's been right. a while. We do not have any kind of definable source of income for the dude. No. We know he's post-dating checks for half and half. Sometimes. Although I did, uh, yeah, I did read that there was a, at one point, it is never revealed in the movie, but at one point there was a consideration that he was an heir to the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> 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 Which would have been very dude. Very, very dude. Now he closes the door and he gets another voice. He had another beep. And he's like, Mr. Lebowski, Brant again, please do call us when you get this, and I'll send the limo. Let me assure you, I hope you're not avoiding this call because of the rug, which I assure you is not a problem. We need your help, and, uh, well, we would very much like to see you. Thank you. Uh, it's Brant. <laughs> so the next shot is Brant very nervously walking the dude down the hallway again. And he's like, we've had some terrible news. Mr. Lebowski's in seclusion in the West Wing. Yes. <laughs> And speaking of the West Wing, when the dude was making the White Russian, there's a picture of Nixon bowling. Yes. Yes, there is. <laughs> it seemed the bowling I get, but Nixon well, bowling? Well, Nixon, was- had, Nixon had the bowling alley put in the basement of the White House. I knew that. Yeah. But you would not, you would not clock the dude as being a Nixon fan. I the would dude. think his uh, meant to be ironic. Yes. It's, Very ironic. Yes. The dude. The dude does irony? It would be like um, somebody having a uh, a picture of uh, Donald Trump, like, doing a push-up or something. (laughs) Eating a vegetable. Yeah. Right. Funny. I can look back on a life of achievement, challenges met, competitors bested, obstacles overcome. I've accomplished more than most men without the use of my legs. What? What makes a man, Mr. Lebowski? Dude. Huh? Uh, I, I don't know, sir. Is it being prepared to do the right thing? Whatever the cost. Isn't that what makes a man? Mm, sure, that and a pair of testicles. Joking, but perhaps you're right. You mind if I do it, Jay? Bunny. Excuse me? Bunny Lebowski. She is the light of my life. Are you surprised at my tears, sir? Oh, fucking hate. Strong men also cry. Strong men also cry. That and a pair of testicles. And then... Which, by the way... He talks about his... The Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped. (laughs) You can hear it buzzing in the background. There you go. Mr. Lebowski is prepared to make a generous offer to you to act as courier once we get instructions for the money. 
What do you mean, man? He believes the culprits might be the very people who uh, soiled your rug, and you're in a unique position to confirm or disconfirm that suspicion. He thinks the carpet pissers did this? Well, dude, we just don't know. Dude was rightly suspicious of why they wanted him, but then just kind of immediately dropped it. It just seemed to make perfect sense to him. Well, they gave him an answer. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Back to the bowling alley again. Always the bowling alley. What it says in the notes here. We're looking across the length of the bowling alley at a tall, thin, Hispanic bowler displaying perfect form. He wears an all-in-one Dacron polyester stretch bowling outfit with a racing stripe down each side. The dude sitting next to Walter on the molded plastic chairs, the dude is staring off towards the bowler. Fucking Santana. That creep can roll, man. Yeah, but he's a pervert, dude. Yeah. No. He's a sex offender with a record. He did six months of Chino for exposing himself to an eight-year-old. Huh. When he moved to Hollywood, he had to go door to door to tell everyone he was a petter ass. What's a petter ass, Walter? Shut the fuck up, Donnie. So, how much did they give you? 20 grand, man. And, of course, I still get to keep the rug. Just for making the handle? Yeah. They gave uh, dude a beeper. Also, whenever these guys call. What if it's during a game? Oh, I told them uh, if it was during league play. What's during league play? Life uh, does not stop and start you know, at your convenience, you I, miserable uh, piece of shit. I, I figure... What's wrong with Walter, dude? Uh, I figure it's easy money. You know, It's all pretty harmless. She probably kidnapped herself. This movie's really handy if you have a person in your life named Donnie. <laughs> yeah, shut the fuck up, just go, Shut the fuck up, Donnie. What are you... Do- no, no, I'm just, I'm just quoting the movie, man. It's cool. I'm just quoting the movie. How many shut the fuck up Donnie's are there in the movie? Is anybody... Do, do we know? that Somebody must have counted that. Yeah, I think I did. There's like 240... Dudes. Oh, fucks. Okay, they're going to say dudes. There's a lot of dudes. I think I do have the stat at the end on those. Um... Actually, I know I have the stat on how many times the dude says man. Okay. And it's like almost, it's like one and a half times a minute in the movie. Nice. So that's pretty good. Nice. And Donnie, of course, has been staring at Cantana, uh, so he's not paying attention. He's like, if what's during league play? And this is one of my, one thing, I, I've used this line many times in my life. Walter, life does not stop and start at your convenience, you miserable piece of shit. <laughs> uh, but about this time, you hear another voice go, are you ready to be fucked, man? And, and they that, look up. that is the voice of John Turturro. <laughs> As Quintana. Are you ready to be fucked, man? I see you roll your way to the semis. Dios mio, man. Liam and me, we're going to fuck you up. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Let me tell you something, Pandeo. You pull any of your crazy shit with us, you flash a piece out on the lanes, I'll take it away from you and stick it up your ass and pull the fucking trigger till it goes click. Jesus. You said it, man. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. Eight-year-olds, dude. Now we're back at dude's bungalow again, and he's laying on the rug. Now he's got the Walkman on. And uh, you can see the case, and it says, Venice Beach League Playoffs, 1987. 
There you go. There you go. So he's he's got his eyes closed. He's listening to bowling balls gently rolling down the lane. And uh, he opens his eyes. And he sees a woman looming over him. And there's a man in paint-splattered denim. And he stoops and swings something towards uh, him and hits him right in the face. Yep. Knocks him out. So then we get the... Um, the first of two, I don't know, they're not dream sequences. It's supposed to be like a concussion event a con- that the dude yeah, is having. A concussion protocol for the dude. Yeah, they're these weird psychedelic sort of stoner sequences. Yes, and they both involve yeah. involve Maud. Right. But he doesn't even know Maud yet. And in this one, he sees her on a magic carpet, but only from the back because he doesn't know what she looks like. Right, they're and flying just, over. They're flying over Los Angeles, yeah. and he's flying along, and he's got he's got his arms out like Superman. He's got a bowling ball in one hand, and he's just going along. And he looks when he sees the bowling ball, he realizes he's holding it, and then it weighs him down, and he starts to plummet. Rude awakening. To roll over, his head is now resting on the hardwood floor. There's no rug. He's right. like, oh man, and his beeper is going off. Brant is very excited. It's like they called about 80 minutes ago. They want you to take the money and drive north on the 405. Here's the money. And the phone. Please, dude, follow whatever instructions they give. Her life is in your hands. Mr. Lebowski asked me to repeat that. Her life is in your hands. Her life is in your hands, dude. Report back to us as soon as it's done. So you see dude and he's in his car. He stops, and Walter approaches the car, opens the driver's side door, hands um, the dude a very disheveled briefcase, suitcase kind of thing. The ringer. Take the ringer. I'll drive, and shoves him across the uh, car. Like, the what? The ringer. The ringer, dude. Have they called yet? Um, And the dude opens up the briefcase, and he's looking through it. He's like, what the hell is this? And I was like, my dirty undies. My dirty undies. Laundry dude. The whites. The whites. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> it's like Walter, is there a reason you brought your dirty undies? Uh, talk about a mental image, by the way. <laughs> That's right, dude. The weight. <laughs> the rear can't look empty. Right. What the fuck are you thinking, man? You're right, dude. I got to thinking. I got to thinking. Why should we settle for a measly fucking we? 20 grand? What the fuck we? You said you just wanted to come along. My point, dude, is why should we settle for 20 grand when we can keep the entire million? Am I wrong? Yes, you're wrong. This isn't a fucking game, man. Oh, but it is a game. You said so yourself. She kidnapped herself. I said I thought... Dude here. Who is this? Dude, the bag man. Man, where do you want us to go? Us? Shit. Yeah, you know, uh, me and the driver. I- I'm not uh, handling the money, driving the car, and talking on the phone all by Shut my fuck. Shut the fuck up. Dude, are you fucking this up? Who is that? That is the driver. I told you. And then a dial tone, which, do you get a dial tone on a cell phone? I don't think you do. No, but, no, you do. A port- but it's a portable phone, whatever that is. Well, that's is. true. 1998, maybe you did. <laughs> right. My, yeah. uh, my brother had one of those bag phones, and uh, the way that the billing worked was anytime any call that he took started at a dollar. Uh-huh. Okay. And one of his friends would call him, he'd answer it, and the friend would go, dollar, and hang up. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, evil, nice. evil, evil bastard. You're pretty yes. funny, though. You fucked it up. You fucked it up. Her life was in our hands, man. Easy, dude. We're screwed now. We don't get shit. They're going to kill her. We're fucked, Walter. Nothing is fucked, dude. Come on. You're being very undude. They'll call Damn. back. Look, she kidnapped her. You see? Nothing's fucked here, dude. Nothing is fucked. They're a bunch of fucking amateurs. Uh, Walt, hey, Walter, will you just shut the fuck up? Don't say people. I'm doing business here, man. Okay, dude. Do it your way. But they're amateurs. Dude. Okay, we proceed, but only if there's no funny stuff. Yeah, yeah. So no funny stuff, okay? Hey. Just tell me where the fuck you want us to go. Walter's like, what'd he say? Where's the handoff? It's like, there is no fucking handoff, Walter. It's a wooden bridge. We throw the money out of the car. Walter stares dumbly for a beat and says, we can't do that, dude. That fucks up our plan. (laughs) We'll call him up and explain it to him, Walter. (laughs) Your plan is so fucking simple. I'm sure they're going to fucking understand it. That's the beauty of it, Walter. Walter's like, wooden bridge, huh? He's like, I'm throwing the money, Walter. We're not fucking around. Well, and, uh... Walter says, Bridges coming up. Give me the ringer, dude. Chop, chop. Dude's like, fuck that. I love you, Walter. But sooner or later, you're going to have to face the fact that you're a goddamn moron. <laughs> okay, dude, no time to argue. Here's the bridge. So there's like a big bump, and then uh, the ringer goes flying out of the car. And then there was a note that I read about this that just seems ridiculous to me. They said the stuntman was having a hard time I know what you're gonna say here, yeah. throwing the, it out of the car. So they did right. it backwards? Where they yeah. threw it to him? How is that easier? <laughs> How is it easier to have the guy catch something while he's driving than it is to have him throw it while he's driving? Yeah, I don't know. I guess he does. He, he doesn't. We don't. We don't actually see him catching it. I guess maybe that's how. So did he not be able to catch it? They just threw it towards the car, so then they could shoot the arc of it flying over the car. Right, and then they ran, yeah. They, so they ran backwards in the movie, so it looked like it was coming out of the car when really it was going towards the car. But then we find out that, that Walter's plan is just about to kick in. Because now he tells the dude that you take the wheel. At 15 MPH, I roll out. I double back, grab one of them, and beat the hell out of it. Give me the Uzi. <laughs> like the Uzi? And he had had, he'd, he'd gotten in the car with two things. The big leather satchel and then this big thing wrapped in, like, paper. Now it turns out that's what it was. So, um, Walter goes, 15, this is it. Let's take the hill. And Walter rolls out with his parcel, <laughs> giving a loud grunt as he hits the pavement. The car swerves and lurches, and the dude cursing takes the wheel. Walter tumbles onto the shoulder, and the gun begins to fire, <laughs> tearing through the wrapping paper, shooting the car and everything else. Right. Car clunks and screams into a skid. The dude is thrown forward as the car hits him. Dude struggles out holding the satchel of money. The front of the car is crumpled into a tree. Her body saps back to the left where the rear wheel has been shot out. Walter is just rising from the ground, massaging an injured knee. And whole next like segment is so you see, they they go back to the bowling alley and you just see 
the dude sitting by himself on like the back bench. He's not even sitting up like around the table, around the table right. and he's holding the phone. And it's just ringing. Are we to believe they haven't opened the briefcase? Yeah. Yeah. I think they so. just assume they have a million dollars. I think so, right. But they won't open the briefcase. Right. Well, it's like, who's got a fucking million fucking dollars parked in the trunk of our car out here? <laughs> dude, with our car, Walter? <laughs> well, it's like, and what do they got, dude? My dirty undies, my fucking whites. Yeah. I say, where is the car? The three bowlers <laughs> stop to the edge of the lot, stare out at an empty parking space. Donnie's like, where's your undies, Walter? <laughs> and uh, gone. Uh, well, we were in a handicapped spot. Uh, it was probably towed. It's been stolen, Walter. You know it's been stolen. Yeah. Well, certainly that's a possibility, dude. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then the dude starts to walk away, and the phone's ringing again. <sighs> Where are you going, dude? We're home, Donnie. Phone's ringing, dude. Thank you, Donnie. That might be, but I think that's my favorite part of the movie, right? <laughs> Thank you, Donnie. The phone's been ringing for an hour and a half. <laughs> phone's ringing, dude. Thank you, Donnie. Now we're back in dude's house again. He's still holding the phone. Yeah. And he's sitting very. He's moping in his chair. And there's two cops sitting there taking his statement. Yeah. About the stolen car. Yeah, uh, green, some uh, brown uh, rust coloration. And was there anything of value in the car? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, a tape deck, some Credence tapes, and there was a uh, uh, my briefcase. In the briefcase? Uh uh, papers, um, just papers, uh, you know, uh, my papers, business papers. And what do you do, sir? I'm unemployed. My rug was also stolen. Your rug was in the car? No, here. Separate incidents. The home phone rings. And then from the uh, the answering machine, the answering machine, you hear a woman's voice, and Mister um, Lebowski, I'd like to see you. Call me when you get home, and I'll send a car for you. My name is Maud Lebowski. I'm the woman who took the rug. She hangs up, and the older cop goes, "Well, I guess we can close the file on that one." <laughs> then we see one of the one of the great entrances, uh, although in movie history. <laughs> Yeah. So the dude is kind of aimlessly walking down this hall. Yeah. And he looks down and there's you can't tell what it is. It's just like some kind of goo on the floor in front of him. And you hear this right. weird noise. Yes. And uh, over the top, all of a sudden comes flying this naked woman holding yeah. two paintbrushes, you know, like just kind of ran- randomly like swishing them around in front of her. <laughs> it's the spectacular Julianne Moore. Ass naked on a flying harness. So, yeah, she gets to the end, and she has two guys that have to help her out of the harness. Right. And when she turns around, she's naked. And uh, 
She's like, does the female form make you uncomfortable, Mr. Lebowski? Uh, right, but, but let me explain something about the rug. Do you like sex, Mr. Lebowski? Excuse me? Sex, the physical act of love, coitus. Do you like it? I was talking about my rug. You're not interested in sex? You mean coitus? I like it too. It's a male myth about feminists that we hate sex. It can be a natural, zesty enterprise. However, there are some people, it is called ceteriasis in men, nymphomania in women, who engage in it compulsively and without joy. Oh, no. Oh, yes, Mr. Lebowski. These unfortunate souls cannot love in the true sense of the word. Our mutual acquaintance, Bunny, is one of these. Sorry if your stepmother is a nympho, but, uh, you know, I don't see what this has to do with, uh... You have any Kahlua? Take a look at this, sir. Hmm? Oh, I know that guy. He, uh, he's a nihilist. Carl Hungus. Dispatcher says there's something wrong with Dinah Carver. Yeah, come on in. I'm not really sure exactly what's really wrong with the cable. That's why they sent me. I am an expert. The TV's in here. You recognize uh, her, of course. Oh, that's my friend Sherry. She just came over to use a shower. The story is ludicrous. My name is Carl. You be an expert. You must be here to fix the cable. Lord, you can imagine where it goes from here. He fixes the cable. And we get to see one of the great fictional pornos of all time. Yes, log jamming. Jackie Treenhorn presents Carl Hungus and Bunny La Jolla in log jamming. And she goes, this is my friend Sherry. She just came over to use the shower. And so we just see Sherry walks in. She's just completely naked. Do you know who Sherry is? The actress? Yes. I have no idea. Her name is Asia Carrera. She was in some real movies. She was also in some many, many, many adult movies. Jackie Looking Drew's at her, would you suspect that she was in Mensa? Well, that, that's <laughs> probably not. She is. Very good. Okay. She's in Mensa. There you go. There's your, if you have no other facts you learn from this, it's that the naked girl in log jamming in real life is in, in Mensa. Mensa. Very yes. nice. I like it. Okay, cool. Maud basically makes the dude the offer that, uh, or if it tells him that the money is not, was not her father's to give. The father doesn't have any money. The foundation has money. So the million dollars actually has come out of the foundation and he doesn't have the authority to, to give it away. And if, if uh, the dude can recover it, she will give him 10%. 100000 Ten percent of yeah. Doesn't he? Th- he doesn't think it's that much, right? At the beginning, he's like, I guess he goes a hundred. She goes thousand, right? So I guess he knew it was hundred thousand. That's just like clams, simoleons, <laughs> bones, or clams, or whatever you call them, right? He's like, yeah, but what about your rug? Yes. Well, with that money, you can buy any number of rugs that don't have sentimental value for me. She goes, and I'm sorry about that crack on the jaw. And the dude's holding his jaw, and she's like, she hands him a piece. She's writing something. Down, she hands him a piece of paper. 
and I am sorry about that crack on the jaw. Oh, that's, that's, that's fine. That, that doesn't even... Uh... Here's the name and number of a doctor who will look at it for you. You will receive no bill. He's a good man and thorough. Uh, that, that, that's thoughtful, but... Please see him, Jeffrey. He's a good man and thorough. And, well, she says, and thorough. And thorough. And thorough. We find out how thorough he is later. <laughs> um, <laughs> so now dude's in a limo. And do you know who the limo driver is? Dom Herrera. Yes, the comedian Dom Herrera. The great Dom Herrera. Do you yes. think he made up the joke that he tells? He's telling it as they cut to the car. Is it a Dom well, Herrera joke or was it in the script? So I think the easy answer is to say that's a Dom Herrera joke, but I'm going to say no, that was in the script. Here's what it says in the script. Okay. So he says... My son can't hold a job, my daughter's married to a fucking loser, and I got a rash on my ass so bad I can hardly sit down. But you know me, I can't complain. <laughs> so yes, it was in the script. Dude, fucking A, man, I got a rash. Fucking A, man, I got to tell you, Tony. And he's drinking another white rush in the back of the car. Yeah, no, I was like, so, I mean, he uh, he and Dom know each other. It seems like they have quite a relationship together. Like, he's been driving him for a year. Yeah, <laughs> just they just met, and they're already best right. friends. Right, all these best friends here, huh? But the limo driver, um, as he pulls in, it was almost, home sweet home, Mr. L. He goes, who's your friend in the Volkswagen? Yeah. And you see a blue Volkswagen Beetle that's parked conspicuously he, behind yeah, he, them up the street. Not exactly incognito. Yeah. He goes, he followed us here. The dude turns to take a look. And the, the bug is pulled over. And you can see a fat man sitting in the car. The dude scowls. And he goes... He starts to go, when did he? The door opens up, and the dude is grabbed from behind, muscled away by another chauffeur who throws him into a different limo. So he gets kidnapped from one limo and thrown into another. There's a beverage here, man. Yeah. He's like, into the limo, you son of a bitch. No arguments. Fuck, man, there's a beverage here. <laughs> he gets thrown into the car, and he's now face, he's, he's facing the back. And in the seats are... Jeff Lebow- Jeffrey Lebowski and Brandt. Hey, in the limo, you son of a bitch. No hey, argument. Hey, hey, careful, man. There's a beverage here, huh? Start talking and talk fast, you lousy bum. We've been frantically trying to reach you, dude. Where is my goddamn money, you bum? Well, well we... I, 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 I don't... They did not receive the money, you nitwit! They did not receive the money! Her life was in your hands! This is our concern, dude. No, man, nothing is fucked here. Nothing is fucked? No, man. The goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain. No, man, come on. Uh, who are you going to believe? Those guys are... We dropped off the damn money. We? I. The royal we. You know, the editorial, I dropped off the money exactly as per... Look... Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light, and... You know, has it ever occurred to you that uh, instead of, uh, you know, running around uh, uh, blaming me, you know, given the nature of all this new shit, you know, this could be a a, a lot more uh, 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 complex. I mean, it's not just, it might not be just such a simple, uh, you know? What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man. New shit has come to light. And, and shit, man. She kidnapped herself. Well, 
sure, man. Look at it. You know, a young trophy wife in the parlance of our times, you know. She uh, uh, owes money all over town, including to known pornographers. <laughs> and that's cool. That's that's cool. I, I, I'm saying she needs money, man. And, you know, of course, they're going to say they didn't get it uh, uh, because she wants more. Man, she's got to feed the monkey. I, I mean, uh, hasn't that ever occurred to you, man? Sir? No, Mr. Lebowski, it had not occurred to me. That had not occurred to us, dude. Well, okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new shit, so, uh, you know, but, hey, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. <laughs> mm. Speaking of which, do you think uh, that you could uh, give me my 20000 in cash? Uh, my concern is, and I've got to check it with my accountant, but that this might bump me up into a higher tax... Uh, Brand, give him the envelope. <laughs> Brant, give him the envelope. Well, okay, if you've already made out a check, Brant hands him an envelope. We received it this morning. Well, he opens it up, and there's something wrapped in cotton. Lebowski says, since you have failed to achieve, even in the modest task that was your charge, since you have stolen my money, and since you have unrepentantly betrayed my trust, the dude continues to unwrap the cotton, and there's a toe with green nail polish on it. Yeah, right. I have no choice but to tell these bums that they should do whatever is necessary to recover their money from you, Jeffrey Lebowski. And with Brant as my witness, tell you this. Any further harm visited upon Bunny shall be visited tenfold upon your head. By God, sir, I will not abide another toe. So now we're at a coffee shop. Right, with Walter. So I'm reading this. There was the coffee shop is also in another movie. Kind of ties in with a previous movie that we've done. I say when I was look, I was seeing that coffee shop, and I was trying to figure out where that was in L.A., and I could not, could not quite picture. I couldn't come up with where it was. The coffee shop also appears in the movie American History X with Ed Norton, okay. who of right, course right. was filming that in the in between his um, scenes in Rounders. It's sitting in the coffee shop are Walter and the dude, and they're talking about the toe. Walter's like, that wasn't her toe. Well, whose toe was it, Walter? How the fuck should I know? I do know nothing about it. It indicates the nail polish, Walter. Fine, dude. Is it it's impossible to get some nail polish applied to someone else's toe? Someone else's? Where the fuck are they going to? You want a toe? I can get you a toe. Believe me. There are ways, dude. You don't want to know about it. Believe me. But, Walter, I'll get you a toe by this afternoon with nail polish. These fucking amateurs. I, I remember when uh, I saw this in the theater. I don't know that I've laughed harder. I think the two, two of the scenes I've laughed the hardest at in a movie theater were this one and then in Raising Arizona during the car chase when the windshield gets shot out of the truck and the, the driver thinks he's going to crash and slams on the brakes and Nicolas Cage goes through the windshield. There's no <laughs> windshield there. His body just like flumps out. Well, this yeah. one. So the dude is sitting in his bathtub. Both Coen Brothers movies, by yes. the way. And right. he is... Uh, He's got the little tiny end of a joint left. He's actually got it. and It's it's probably not a roach. I'm sure it's that. The the dude has this weird way of, like, pulling his hair back. Or he takes, like, a woman's barrette, but only does one side of his hair. Right. Probably all he can afford. Yeah. I don't know. I I didn't pay attention if that's what he's holding it in. But he's got this little thing. 
And uh, but he's he's having a bubble bath. He's got candles. He's enjoying himself. The phone rings and he can hear the machine, and he goes. Mr. Lebowski, this is Deputy Officer Rollvag of the LAPD. And the dude perks up. We've recovered your vehicle. It can be claimed at the North Hollywood Auto Circus there on Victory. And dude's like, far out, far fucking out. Right. He's very excited. And then he hears the door open up. And then he hears his answering machine get hit by a baseball bat. Hey, this is a private residence, man. Oh, nice marmot. Maggie says money lover, because he wants the money lover feet. Think we are kidding or thinking with the funny stuff? Yeah. things you haven't dreamed of, Lebowski. Yeah. So and while they're talking to him, they just take the ferret, the marmot, and throw it into the tub. And that's when I lost it. As the thing is screaming and the Lebowski oh, is, is losing his mind. It's very reminiscent of a scene in a little bit where he's in the car. Yes. Uh, With the joint. Yes. <laughs> we believe in nothing, Lebowski. Nothing. <laughs> we had nihilists. So he says, they finally, the, the little ferret has gotten out of the bathtub, and they're getting ready to leave. He goes, tomorrow we come back and cut off your Johnson. Now we're off to the impound lot. In Van Nuys, California. Yes. <laughs> North <laughs> Hollywood Auto Circus. Kind of like the Cicero of California, Van Nuys. And um, I love this cop. He oh, is, he cop. is the awesome. He's awesome. Uh, so they get a look at the car, and it's it's in great distress. <laughs> it oh. has been it was already in bad shape after uh, Walter shot out the tire and it crashed into a street sign, but now it's even worse. Yeah. It was discovered last night in Van Nuys, uh, lodged against an abutment. Oh man, lodged where? You're lucky she didn't get chopped, Mr. Lebowski. Oh, man. This has been a joyride situation. They abandoned the vehicle once they hit the retaining wall. Oh, my fucking briefcase, man. It's not here. Yeah, Shit. I saw that on the report. Sorry. Uh, you got to get in on the other side. Uh, the side view was found on the road by the car. You're lucky they left the uh, tape deck, though, in the Credence. Oh, Jesus, what's that smell, man? Uh, yeah, it's uh, probably a vagrant slept in the car. Or maybe just used it as a toilet and moved on. Hey, man, are you going to find these guys? Or, you know, I mean, you got any promising uh, uh, leads or... Leads? Yeah, sure. I'll uh, just check with the boys down at the crime lab. They uh, got uh, four more detectives working on the case. The gun is working in shifts. <laughs> Leads. Leads. He just yeah. I, I had a similar experience when I was moving into my college dorm. So somebody had broken in and stolen like a TV or something. And the cops came by and I'm thinking like it's a CSI situation. They're gonna they're gonna dust the place. Yep. And we're gonna have to get your fingerprints so we can rule yours out from the <laughs> right. from the 
We're gonna canvas. We're gonna canvas a four block square area. <laughs> I'm like, so we're gonna get the no. He laughed like, oh, yeah. great, okay, terrific. They got us working in shifts. <laughs> they got us working in shifts. Great line. So now they're back at the bowling alley, and but they're sitting at the bar this time. It's the dude, Walter, and Donnie. The, the, would Marquee Network come up with a cool nickname for the three of them? Like, <laughs> Boga- like what was Bogar Duff or something? Uh, Duff Garbo. Uh, yeah, yeah, they could be uh, Duwaldo. Dude, Walter, and Donnie. Duwaldo. Right. That's actually right. better than theirs. Yeah. It is, yeah. All right, so here's a question for you. Do we have a hence the name of the movie at any point during The Big Lebowski? We absolutely do. I mean, yeah. right now. Coming right now, yeah. My only hope is that The Big Lebowski kills me before the Germans Please. can cut my dick off. Now, that is just ridiculous, dude. No one's going to cut your dick off. There it is. There it is. The only time it's said in the movie, the big, he calls him The Big Lebowski. Yep. I could be sitting here with just pee stains on my rug. Yeah. But no, man, I gotta, Fucking you know. Fucking Germans. Nothing changes. Fucking Nazis. They were Nazis, dude? Oh, come on, Donnie. They were threatening castration. Uh-huh. Are we gonna split hairs here? No. Am I wrong? Well, he... he man, they I'm were on. nihilists, man. Huh? They kept saying they believed in nothing. Nihilists. Fuck me. I mean, say what you want about the tenets of National Socialism, dude. At least it's an ethos. Yeah. And also, let's not forget, let's not forget, dude, that keeping wildlife, um, an amphibious rodent for, um, you know, domestic within the city, that ain't legal either. What, are you a fucking park ranger now? No, I'm just trying to offer... a shit about the fucking marmot? We are... Sympathizing here, dude. Fuck sympathy. I don't need your fucking sympathy, man. I need my fucking Johnson. What do you need that for, dude? You have got to buck up, man. You cannot drag this negative energy into the tournament. Fuck the tournament. Fuck you, Walter. Fuck the tournament? Okay, dude. I can see you don't want to be cheered up here. Come on, Donnie. Let's go get us a lane. What are you, a park ranger? Amphi- I love the amphibious rodents. <laughs> <laughs> because you throw something in a bathtub doesn't make it amphibious. <laughs> amphibious ferret. Yeah, he gets very offended. Like, uh, you think he's going to say, fuck you, Walter? <laughs> oh, fuck the tournament? Fuck the tournament? <laughs> okay, I can see you don't want to be cheered up here, dude. Yeah. Come on, Donnie, let's go get a lane. Go get a lane and he and Donnie walk off. Poor Danny has no idea what's going on at any point. One of the one of the direction notes here is the pop song on the jukebox has ended, and someone puts on tumbling tumbleweeds. And we know who that someone is. The great Sam Elliott. Yeah. Do you the have a good sarsaparilla? I, I, we got a Sioux City sarsaparilla. Well, that's that's a, good a good one. That's a good one. How are you, dude? <laughs> oh, that's so good, man. One of those days, huh? Well, a wiser fellow than myself once said, sometimes you eat the bar and much obliged. Sometimes the bar while he eats you. Mm. That's some kind of Eastern thing? Far from it. I like your style, dude. 
well, I dig your style too, man. That whole cowboy thing going. Thank you. You're just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. The fuck are you talking about? Okay, dude. Have it your way. Dude gets a phone call, doesn't yeah. he? Birthday? Which is yeah. not in the in the director's notes, the um show first shows up again and summons him. And the, okay. they simplified it too. He just answers yeah. the phone and right. there's Maud. Well, and, and at some point it, when he's at he's at her apartment or her apartment, he's at her house. And the guy goes, Want a drink? Yeah. White Russian bars over there. <laughs> so that guy well, Yeah. So that guy, Knox Harrington. Okay. Is you know you know who plays Knox Harrington? It's an actor by the name of David Thulis. Okay. okay. And he's almost unrecognizable as Knox Harrington with the shaved head and the little mustache. Yeah. He um he's been in lots of stuff. Uh, in Fargo, the TV show, he was the bad guy Which in the season? season with Carrie Coon and Ewan McGregor. Oh, that was a great He season. was V.A. Varga. Right, okay. He was in Wonder Woman. He played Ares, the god of war. Okay. And he played Professor Lupin in most of the Harry Potter movies. Ah, okay. But you, I guarantee you, like once I knew who David Thewlis was, I still didn't recognize him for the longest time as Knox Harrington. Right. And they said that, um, he's, that he's not in the script. And the reason he's not in the script is, as they started to plot out the scene, the Coens were like, man, there's just a lot of exposition in this. Yeah. We need yeah. something to break it up. And they basically created him on the spot and called David Thewlis and made him shave his head and grow a weird mustache. Because he just giggles his way through the scene. She walks up and kisses him at one point, and the dude's like, what the? Yeah. It's a very, it's a very uh, unsettling giggle that he yes. has. Yes. Yeah. By the way, and when the dude, when when not, you know, when Knox points him to the bar, the dude goes to make his white Russian. The dude, they have no creams. I don't know if you noticed this. He takes like powdered coffee <laughs> cream. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> uses, the, the dude adapts. The dude abides, and the dude adapts. And it's funny too to see at various times. Sometimes he has something to stir them with. Other times he just sticks his finger in and just does right. it with his finger. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's not bothered. Yeah, he. Um, they saw a stat where he drinks nine white Russians in the movie. Okay. And he has the one destroyed. Because um, it really it would have been ten. I forget which one. It's not the one because the, hey, there's a beverage here, man. That one kind of survived because he was finishing yeah. it in the other limo. Yeah. Um, right. I don't know if it's the second Jackie Treehorn one when he passes out, but there's, okay. I think it's in the notes at the end. Maybe we'll get to it. She's like, do you still have that doctor's number? He's like, no, really, I don't even have the bruise anymore. And she's writing it down again. She's like, please, Jeffrey, I don't want to be responsible for any delayed after effects. <laughs> He's like, after delayed effect. after what? I want you to see him immediately. Uh-huh. And she picks up the phone. She goes, I'll see if he's available. He's a good man and thorough. And thorough. Then he's in, he's in the doctor's office and he has yeah. his headphones on. And the doctor to talk to him has to pull the headphone away from his ear. <laughs> right. <laughs> Could you slide your shorts down, please, Mr. Lebowski? 
No, no, no man. She, she hit me right here. He pushed his chin. I understand, yeah. sir. Could you slide your shorts down, please? <laughs> That's it. That's the whole scene. There's, you don't need anything else. We got it all. We've yeah. using the whole fist stock. We, we got it. We, we got the whole thing. <laughs> and then this is the greatest. This is so he's he's driving home from the doctor. He's got he's got his credence tape in. He's smoking the, the little the what's left of a joint, and yeah. he's holding a beer in his hand. Right. And as he's driving and what, along, and what song is playing? Dude, dude, oh, yeah. <laughs> knocking on my right. front door. Yeah. He's having a great time, but he looks in the rearview mirror and he sees the blue Volkswagen bug again. Right. So he absent, absentmindedly takes the joint and flicks it out the, win- the driver's side window. One problem. Right. It's not down. It bounces right, right between his legs. Right. First he reaches down and tries to pull it out. Then what do you do? He takes the beer and starts pouring it on his crotch to right. try to put it out. This is for a centimeter long joint. <laughs> He's acting like he's the car's on fire. (laughs) (laughs) The glowing butt rolls down the car seat between his legs. The dude screams. The car careens wildly as surrounding traffic veers out of of his way. Horns blaring. The car finally spins and comes to rest with his passenger side wrapped into a telephone pole. That's exactly what happens, yeah. He screams like Homer Simpson. (laughs) He goes, fuck me. He's now he's sitting in the passenger side now, away from the lit butt. He's looking around for it. Smoke is coming up from the driver's seat. Fuck all the man. He takes his beer and pours it some more between the cushions. And he hears a hissing sound, but apparently is the joint finally being put out. This, this tiny mini joint finally. But he gets- sees a piece of paper sticking out from between the cushions, and the dude yeah. pulls it out. It's a lined spiral notebook paper. Slightly singed and dripping beer, covered with handwriting. The upper right-hand corner is the name Lawrence Sellers, and under that, Mrs. Jam Toss, fifth period. The theme is, is titled The Louisiana Purchase. In red ink, a large circled D and some handwritten marginal comments. Misspelled words are circled in red throughout. He's at the theater. The yeah. dance quintet. He's there with Donnie, and uh, Walter comes in and sits down, and he's in a suit. There's the landlord dancing around with like a crown of like ivy sprigs or whatever around his head. It's a very disturbing dance, whatever's happening there. Walter leans over to him and, you know, he's whispering because he doesn't want to disrupt the audience. Oh, uh, there's a prominent filmmaker who is sitting in the audience. He was not such a prominent filmmaker at the time. Do you know who it is? Oh, wow. Really? Mm -hmm. I have absolutely no idea. Charlie Kaufman. Really? Is in the is in the crowd. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's the story there? I don't know. I just saw that Charlie Kaufman was you can be he can be spotted. Man in the crowd, okay. Yep. At the dance quintet. Gotcha. Okay. So Walter leans over and says he lives in North Hollywood on Radford near the In and Out Burger. The dude Now by the way, the In and Out Burger no, the In and Out Burger is I think they say it's on Camrose. He goes, yeah, he goes, uh, near the In-N-Out Burger. Dude goes, the In-N-Out Burger is on Camrose. Walter goes, near the In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> Donnie, those are good burgers, Walter. Shut those the fuck good. up, Donnie. This kid is in ninth grade, dude, and his father is, are you ready for this? Arthur Digby Sellers. Who the fuck is that? Huh? Who the fuck is Arthur Digby Sellers? Who the fuck? Have you ever heard of a little show called Branded Dude? Yeah. 
All but one man died here at Bitter Creek. Yeah, yeah, I know the fucking show, Walter. So what? Fucking Arthur Digby Sellers wrote 156 episodes, dude. Uh-huh. The bulk of the series. Uh-huh. Not exactly a lightweight. No. And yet his son is a fucking dunce. Yep. And I go figure. Well, we'll go out there after the... Uh, he waves a hand vaguely towards the stage, <laughs> or whatever this is. Right. Uh, what have you. We'll, uh, Donnie, we'll be near the end of Outburger. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. We'll, we'll brace the kid. He'll be a pushover. We'll get all that fucking money if he hasn't spent it already. A million fucking clams. And yes, we'll be near the, some burgers, some beers, a few laughs. Our fucking troubles are over, dude. Now, I feel, I feel compelled to point this out for our L.A. audience. Those of us that, um, those of us in L.A. know that the In-N-Out Burger is on Lancashire in North Hollywood, not on Camrose. I mean, do we expect the dude to be right? Uh, well, but, the, but Walter was the one claiming it, wasn't he? Well, he no, Walter said it was on right. Radford. Right. And, yeah. and what's on Radford is CBS Studio Center. That's on Radford. Uh, in, uh, all kinds of stuff going on here. Okay. So, uh, car pulls up with all three of them in it in front of a dilapidated house. And, uh, but parked in front of it is a brand new red Corvette. Yes. The dude's fucked me, man. The kids already spent all the money. Walter's like, hardly. Dude, a new vet? The kid's still got uh, 96 to 97,000, depending on the options. Right. Wait in the car, Donnie. Doesn't the kid have a million dollars? No, he says, says 960,000, 970,000. Oh, okay. Oh, I might be missing the zero. The script is weird. I might be missing the zeros. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's so like, 960, 970,000, depending on the options. Depending on the options, right. Just wait in the car, Donnie. Walter goes up, rings the bell, and then he's just. You know, he couldn't be more pleasant to the person who answers the door. She goes, yes. yes. Like, hello, Pilar. My name is Walter Subject. We spoke on the phone. This is my associate, Jeffrey Lebowski. The woman goes, yes. May we? We wanted to uh, talk about little Larry. May we come in? Yes. So they come in, and then this is, I love this. So <laughs> um, she goes, Larry, sweetie, the man is here. And they're standing there, and they look at the end of the house, with the, as far as they can see. There's an iron lung. Yeah. With a man in it, just his head Jeez. sticking out of it. Yeah, looks pleasant. And uh, Walter goes, that's him, dude. Good day to you, sir. <laughs> she goes, sit down, please. And they sit down. And uh, while they're waiting for Larry, Walter asks her, does he, uh, is he still writing? And she goes, no, no, he has health problems. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Yeah. I see. <laughs> I just want to say uh, he yells across the room I just want to say sir that we're both enormous on a personal level branded especially the early episodes it's been a source of inspiration <laughs> and then I love Larry he is the best he is the blankest faced kid ever yeah he's awesome he could not have cast a more he could not give a shit about anything he's just <laughs> and he does look like he would get a D on a Louisiana purchase report. With a lot of misspelled words. <laughs> so he heads out the door. The dude is like, what's going on? Right. And then Walter yells. What are you doing? Here you go, Larry. You see what happens? You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens? This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, Larry. This is what happens, Larry. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass? This is what happens. You 
see what happens, Larry? You see what happens, Larry? Do you see what happens, Larry, when you fuck a stranger in the act? What happens, Larry? This is what happens, Larry. What happens, Larry? Now Donnie is sitting in the uh, in the back seat of the car, maybe the pass. I think he's up to the passenger seat. He's just sitting right. in it. And he's like looking over, and all of a sudden he sees the guy running with the tire iron. Right. The next time you see the car, the door's open. Donnie's standing on the yard across, <laughs> across the street. <laughs> right. And the guy manages to smash um, the dude's car. And dude's like, "No, that's not his car, man." Dude's car taking a beating. Yes, and the scene that I love. Now there's three silent people driving and riding. You know, the dude is driving and they're riding along. He has no windshield, right? So that's apparently a thing that the Coen Brothers do. Right. But Donnie and Walter are eating hamburgers. Yeah, and they are not. And by the way, they are not In and Out burgers. <laughs> they didn't make it to In and Out. Well, it wasn't out of Radford. Well, right. Couldn't find. I, I, I'm, see, I'm an In and Out aficionado. Love In and Out burgers. But they must not have been able to get the the clearance from well, In and Out. Wouldn't they have just changed the? Because in the in the script here it says Walter and Donnie munch on In and Out burgers. Yeah, but they but they're not In and Out burgers. Yeah. It's not they're not they don't they're it's not In and Out packaging. They don't look like In and Out burgers. They must must have been a rights thing. They didn't get the rights to use it. Yeah, yeah very sad. Come on, In and Out, give give the Lebowski the the rights. Another great scene. We're back at dude's house, and he has a two-by-four on the floor, and he is yeah. na- putting a million nails in it, none of which he seems to be able to actually get all the way through the two-by-four because they're bent over at the top. And he's, and he's talking to Walter, clearly Walter on the phone. So he keeps he finishes up hammering, then he takes a chair, and he props it between the two-by-four and his front door under the handle. And the door opens, and the chair falls out because his door opens out, not in. Right. <laughs> he did all that work for nothing. Yeah. And who is it? But it's our old buddies, Woo and the Blonde Man. And the thing you're supposed to notice here is that they have switched clothes from the first time, from their first visit. Okay. Like they're wearing the same clothes, but they're wearing each other's. Oh, that's cool. Yes. I didn't notice that. Yeah. That's cool. Pin your diapers on, Lebowski. Jackie Treehorn wants to see you. Jackie Treehorn knows which Lebowski you are, Lebowski. Jackie Treehorn wants to see the deadbeat Lebowski. You're not dealing with morons here. Oh, they are at Jackie Treehorn's beach house. Played by the great. Ben Gazzara. Ben Gazzara. Dude goes, this is quite a pad you got here, man. Completely unspoiled. What's your drink, dude? White Russian, thanks. White Russian. How's the smut business, Jackie? I wouldn't know, dude. I deal in publishing, entertainment, political advocacy. Uh, which one's log jamming? Yes, regrettably, it's true. Standards have fallen in adult entertainment. It's video, dude. Now that we're competing with those amateurs, we can't afford to invest in little extras like story, production value, 
feelings. Oh, people forget that the brain is the biggest erogenous zone. On you, maybe. Of course, you have to take the good with the bad. New technology permits us to do very exciting things in interactive erotic software. Wave of the future, dude. 100% electronic. Hmm. Well, I still jerk off manually. <laughs> of course you do. Well, I can see you're anxious for me to get to the point. Well, here it is, dude. Where's Bunny? Well, I thought you might know that, man. Why would I? She only ran off to get away from that rather sizable debt to me. Well, she didn't run off. She's been, um... I've heard that kidnapping story, so save it. I know you're mixed up in all this, dude. And I don't care what you're trying to get from the husband. That's your business. All I'm saying is, I want mine. Yeah, all right, man. I mean, you know, there are a lot of, um... Facets uh, to this, a lot of interested parties. Um, Excuse me. So it's interesting in the script, we miss maybe the most iconic like image from this movie, which is in the movie, about halfway through this discussion, Jackie gets a phone call. Mm-hmm. He goes to the high top or whatever, grabs the phone, takes out the notepad, and vigorously writes stuff down. Right. And then he takes off. So the dude, in a very James Bond moment, runs over, takes the pencil, and goes sideways across the thing to reveal what it is that Jackie is writing down, this secret information. And what he's drawn is a doodle of a guy with this enormous penis. <laughs> yes. So instead he passes out, and we get the second of the, uh, they're not dreams, I guess they're concussion sequences, because he, uh, he's, well, this, I don't know, he's passed out this time. This was probably a dream, yeah. I, I, I'm not a fan. I'm not, I'm not a fan of this, of this yeah. the, I like the name. The name is Gutterball. Yes, the dude and Maude Lebowski in Gutterballs. Gutterballs. By the way, is Gutterballs sponsored by Manscaped? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps uh, we, we should, uh, you should give them a plug. Support for the Movie Deep Dive podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world? Manscaped. It offers precision engineering for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code DIVE at manscaped.com. Here's an interesting thing. So in this sequence, uh, the dude helps Maud bowl. I mean, there's all this weird imagery going on. But did you know that's the only time in the movie that we see the dude bowling? Ooh. And he's not even bowling. He's just behind her, like, helping her with her swing. We never see the dude bowl. Okay, now, wait a minute. Do we ever see Walter bowl? We see Donnie bowl. We see Donnie bowl a lot. I don't think we see Walter. We see, we see Walter pull a gun at the bowling alley. Yes. But I, but I, don't, think, I don't think we see Walter bowl. I don't know if we do. Huh. A bowling movie where the two prime bowling characters never bowl. Oh wait, doesn't but doesn't well wait does does the dude bowl at the at the very end? We don't really see him bowl though. We just see right. him you never actually see him bowl. Heading towards the lanes. Okay. So as the dude is starting to come out of uh, his haze, he's yeah. in the back of a squad car singing the theme of Branded. <laughs> he was innocent. <laughs> not a charge was true, and they say he ran away. But then we see him, he's sitting in the chief of police office, 
And the chief has the dude's wallet in front of him and says to him, is this your only ID? And it's a Ralph Shopper Club card. That's the only thing he's got. Next time I go to a Ralph's, I got to check see if there's any Big Lebowski references hidden throughout the store I've, I've never noticed before. So, you know, the Ralph's is a West Coast thing, maybe just a California thing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, in the Midwest, for a long time, pri- before the um, sporting goods chain, we had, there were grocery stores called Dick's. And their, um, their, like, super shopper card was the Dick's, you joined the Dick's Insider Club. Yes. Yes. My friend had a Dick's Insider card, which we thought was the funniest thing. Kind of an an unfortunate name for a corporation. That we had ever heard, that you could get a Dick's Insider card. Dick's Insider, yes. Yes. So the chief is very disgusted that uh, his only ID is a Ralph Shoppers Club card. And the dude goes, I know my rights. You don't know shit, Lebowski. I want a fucking lawyer, man. I want Bill Kunstler, man, or... Or wrong Kubi. Mr. Treehorn tells us that he had to eject you from his garden party. That you were drunk and abusive. Mr. Treehorn treats objects like women, man. Mr. Treehorn draws a lot of water in this town. You don't draw shit, Lebowski. Now, we got a nice, quiet little beach community here, and I aim to keep it nice and quiet. So let me make something play. I don't like you sucking around bothering our citizens, Lebowski. I don't like your jerk-off name. I don't like your jerk-off face. I don't like your jerk-off behavior. And I don't like you jerk-off. Do I make myself clear? I'm sorry I wasn't listening. Ow! Fucking fascist! Stay out of Malibu, deadbeat! Keep your ugly fucking gold-bricking ass out of my beach community. And then there's a classic scene. The dude is now in a taxi. He's in a foul mood. (laughs) And peaceful, easy feeling by the Eagles is playing (laughs) in the cab. Jesus, man, could you change the channel? Fuck you, man. If you don't like my fucking music, get your own fucking cab. I had a really rough... I'll pull up to the side and kick your ass out. Man, come on. I had a rough night, and I hate the fucking Eagles, man. While he's standing there, unbeknownst to the dude, a red convertible screeches by (laughs) the driver, singing loudly and badly along with the radio, her hair blowing in the wind, a dreamy smile on her face as she speeds along higher than a kite is Bunny Lebowski. And she has all of her toes. Right. They do a, they they zoom in on her right foot on the accelerator and we see all of her toes. Oh, and then when she goes to hit the clutch, then we get to see her left. As if, as if to remove any doubt, we now yeah. see she has all ten toes. Exactly. Dude gets home, opens the door, 
and his car has been or his house has been completely uh, ransacked. Yes. And then we see Brian Drew throwing things around his office. Saying, you are not going to draft a quarterback. Oh, that's a different movie. <laughs> we look down. They zoom in on the floor, and there's a post-it note that has Vontae Mack, no matter what. Written. <laughs> different movie. Different movie. Same movie. He walks in. He's like, oh. And then Maud walks out of the bedroom wearing a bathrobe. Yes. She goes, Jeffrey? He's Maud? She pulls open the bathrobe. Love me. <laughs> Love like, me. He goes, that's my robe. That's my robe. <laughs> <laughs> so then we see them laying in bed next to each other. She goes, tell me a little bit about yourself, Jeffrey. Well, not much to tell. I was one of the authors of the Port Huron Statement, the original Port Huron Statement, not the compromise second draft. And then I uh, ever hear of the Seattle Seven? <laughs> so it's a nice little homage to the guy he's based on. Right. And then I love he goes, that, that was me and six other guys. It was me and six other guys. <laughs> 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 and then, let's see, uh, the music business briefly. Oh, yeah, Rody from Metallica, Speed of Sound Tour. Uh-huh. Bunch of assholes. <laughs> Bunch of assholes. <laughs> and then, you know, a little of this, a little of that. My career's slowed down a bit. Like, you know, he's just... The dude has just uh, dissed the Eagles and yeah. Metallica within about five minutes. Brutal. You will not, you will not be surprised to know that in real life, um, Jeff Bridges was at a party and Glenn Fry spotted him and went over and complained, started yelling at him that they said in the movie that he hated the Eagles. Oh, man. At the same time, Kirk Hammett from Metallica apparently said that the guys loved the fact that they were in the movie. <laughs> and didn't care at all that he called them a bunch of assholes. Now, that's the right reaction yes. right there. They, yes. thought it, they thought it was cool. He gets up out of the bed, and she grabs his pillow, and she sticks it behind in the small of her back. And under you don't see her, but under her sheets, you can see that she's pulled her knees up. And she's, yeah. like, rocking back and forth. And she goes, what happened to your house? He's like, ah, Jackie Treehorn trashed the place. He wanted to save the finder's fee. Finder's fee? He thought I had your father's money, so he got me out of the way while he looked for it. He shows it's not my father's money. It's the foundation's. Why did he think you had it? And who does? Larry Sellers, a high school kid, <laughs> real fucking prank. He's still convinced it's Larry. <laughs> Reaches over and picks a white Russian off the table. And she goes, Jeffrey. He's like, it's complicated, mud. Lots of ins, lots of outs. Fortunately, I've been adhering to a pretty strict uh, drug regimen to help my mind, you know, limber. Um, uh, real fucking close to your father's money. Real fucking close. It's just, because I keep telling you it's the foundation's money. My father doesn't have any. All right. It's like, what? He's fucking loaded. He's like, no, no, no. The wealth was all mothers. But your father, he runs stuff. He, we did let father run one of the companies briefly, but he didn't do very well at it. He helps administer the charities now, and I give him a reasonable allowance. He has no money of his own. I know how he likes to present himself. Father's and, and, business, by way, his her, uh, and by the way, didn't didn't uh, the Big Lebowski say that he gives Bunny an ample allowance? Yes. So it's a little callback there that yep. really, really, it's Maud dish, doling out the allowances. Yep. His father's weakness is his vanity, hence the slut. And dude looks over and he goes, uh, "So did he, is that yoga?" <laughs> <laughs> Maud's like, "It increases the chances of conception." Dude spits out a little white Russian. Increases. Well, yes. Did you think this was all about fun and games? Well, no, of course not. I want a child. Yeah, okay. But see, the dude... Look, Jeffrey, I don't want a partner. In fact, I don't want the father to be someone I have to see socially or who'd have any interest in rearing the child himself. 
Huh. No, no worries. No worries there. So that doctor, exactly. So he walks out of the house, I guess, to wait for Walter to come up, and he sees the blue Volkswagen again. And a fat man leans out of the car and is trying to start the car, and he can't. Who the fuck are you? Why have you been following me? And and come on. He's like, hey, relax, man. I'm a brother, Seamus. His <laughs> brother, Seamus, like an Irish monk. So now they said that um, the basic plot of the movie is inspired by Raymond Chandler novels. Yeah. In those Raymond Chandler novels, he refers to private investigators a lot as Brother Seamus. So it's a little homage. Oh, that's what that comes from. Okay. And he goes through his wallet, and he pulls out this picture of the um, – oh, the first picture is Bunny in a cheerleading outfit. Right. Um, and he's like, Jesus Christ. It's like crazy, huh? Ran away a year ago. He hands out another picture. And this one is the bleakest-looking farm picture <laughs> you've so ever bad. seen. Uh. Come on, fuckhead! Relax, man. I'm a brother Seamus. Brother Seamus? Like an Irish monk? What the fuck are you talking about? My name is Dufino. I'm a private snoop like you, man. What? A dick, man? And let me tell you something. I dig your work. Playing one side against the other in bed with everybody's fabulous stuff, man. I'm not... Fuck it, man. Just stay away from my fucking lady friend. Hey, hey, I'm not messing with your special lady. She's not my special lady. She's my fucking lady friend. I'm just helping her conceive, man. Uh, hey, man, I'm not... Who are you working for? Lebowski? Uh, Jackie Treehorn? The Knutsons. The... Who, who the fuck are the Knutsons? The, the Knutsons. Uh, it's a wandering daughter job. Bunny Lebowski, man. Her real name is Fawn Knutson. Her parents want her back. See? Jesus fucking Christ. Crazy, huh? Ran away about a year ago. And the Knutsons told me I, I should show her this when I found her. It's the family farm. It's outside of Moorhead, Minnesota. They think it'll make her homesick. Oh, boy. How you going to keep them down on the farm once they've seen Carl Hungus? So, uh, Moorhead, Minnesota is right across the border from Fargo, North Dakota. Okay, It cool. also, then... intentionally or not, happens to be where Jeff Bridges' wife is from. Oh, okay. And they All said right. the cheerleading uniform that they you see um, Tara Reed in is actually the right colors for the high school in Moorhead, Minnesota. Oh, so so not, a, not a coincidence. And Cohen's the did there. Well, the... The, the Jeff Bridges' from, wife thing might have been a coincidence. Maybe. But the Coens are from Minnesota. Defino played by the, the, uh, the late, great John Polito. Yes. Who was also in uh, Miller's, Miller's, Crossing. Miller's Crossing and Barton yep. Fink. So yes. he was a Cohen favorite. He was a Cohen ensemble member, yes. Yes. Had a brief stop at a Denny's where uh, Autobahn <laughs> and their lady friend, Amy Mann, are uh, sitting at a booth ordering pancakes with lingonberries. Yes, and the only significance of the scene is that they zoom in under the table, and you see that the lady friend only has nine toes. Nine toes. She has a bandage with blood coming out of it where they had chopped off her toe. Yes, it's <laughs> that's lovely. And we see Brant picking up clothes, <laughs> which we presume is Bunny dancing naked outside. Yes, before we see them pull in, we see that Bunny has crashed her red her little red sports car with the um, license plate. L-U-P-I-N, which is not an homage to the Netflix uh, French heist series, mm. 
but rather uh, it's the French word for rabbit, hence bunny. She has crashed it, and she is dancing naked in the fountain that she has crashed into. But they know well, they know Bunny's home because he goes, he can't see you, dude. Oh man! No, she's back. No thanks to you. Where's the fucking money, Lebowski? A million bucks from fucking needy little Walter. urban achievers. You are scum, man. Who the hell is he? Who am I? Who am I? Walter. I'm the guy that's going to kick your phony gold brick and ass. That's who I am. Man, we know the briefcase was fucking empty. We know you kept the million bucks for yourself. You have your story. I have mine. I say I entrusted the money to you, and you stole it. As if we would ever dream of taking your bullshit money. They kind of did dream of taking the bullshit money, and... If they the car hadn't been stolen, they thought they had taken it. Yeah, they literally dreamed of taking his money. You thought that Bunny had been kidnapped, and you were fucking glad, man. You could use it as an excuse to make some money disappear. All you needed was a sap to pin it on. You just met me, you you human paraquat. You figured, oh, here's a loser, you know, uh, a deadbeat. Somebody the square community won't give a shit about. Well, aren't you? Well, yeah. But you Get out, both of you. Look at that fucking phony dude pretending to be a fucking millionaire. Out of this house now, you bums! Let me tell you something else. I've seen a lot of spinals, dude. And this guy's a fake. A fucking gold breaker. Stay away from me, mister! This guy fucking walks. I've never been more certain of anything in my life. You stay away from me! Walter, I've never been more certain of anything in my fucking life. Come on, come on. Put him down, man! Yeah, put him down, dude! Come on, man, help me put him back in his chair. That was a very sad scene. Made you, made, that made you feel sorry for the big Lebowski. Yeah. Now they're back at the bowling alley again. As always. And it's our old friend, Quintana. Not a worthy hey! officer. What's this day of rest shit? What's this bullshit? I don't fucking care. It don't matter to Jesus. But you're not fooling me, man. You might fool a fox in the league office, but you don't fool Jesus. It's Bush League psycho stuff. Laughable, man. <laughs> I would have fucked you in the ass Saturday. I'll fuck you in the ass the next Wednesday instead. Woo! You got a day Wednesday, baby! So now, one thing that happens here is that we see Donnie, while this is going on, Donnie is bowling, and he leaves one pin, and he just kind of stares at it. Yep. It's the only time in the movie where we see Donnie bowl that he doesn't get a strike. Oh. So now they walk out. Okay. It's all of them. Not Donnie's night. No. <clears throat> and they look, and they see Autobahn. Right. Dressed in shiny black leather, standing in line, and behind them is the dude's car, completely ablaze. Well, they finally did it. They killed my fucking car. We want some money, Lafotsky. Yeah, otherwise we kill the car. Yeah, it seems you have forgotten our little deal, Lafotsky. You don't have the fucking girl, dipshit. We know you never did. Are these the Nazis, Walter? Not Donnie, these men are nihilists. There's nothing to be afraid of. We don't care. We still want the money, Lepofsky. We fuck you up. Fuck you. 
Fuck the three of you. No. Without a hostage, there is no ransom. That's what ransom is. Those are the fucking rules. His girlfriend gave up her toll. She thought we'd been getting million dollars. It's not fair. Fair? Who's the fucking nihilist around here, you bunch of fucking crybabies? I'm cool it, Walter. Hey, look, pal, there never was any money. The Big Lebowski gave me an empty briefcase, so take it up with him, man. And I would like my undies back. This guy's gonna hurt us, Walter? No, Donnie. These men are cowards. Okay. Donnie is visibly frightened, and he leans over and he goes, Are they gonna hurt us, Walter? And Walter goes, They won't hurt us, Donnie. These men are cowards. These men are cowards. And uh, Uli says, okay, if he takes some money. You you see Walter being very sort of big brother to Johnny. In fact, the the direction is Walter's Walter's tone is gentle, is what it says right before. Very gentle. Yes, right, right, right. Anyway, the big fight ensues. At what point, point, I think the dude yells, fucking dipshit with a nine-toed woman. (laughs) Walter, at one point, bites one of the guy's ears off and spits it into the air. Yes. Like a Vander Holyfield. (laughs) And... Just as they have subdued the Germans, they turn around, and dude sees that Donnie is laying on the ground. So the dude runs into the uh, bowling alley to presumably call the ambulance. Uh, Walter lays a hand on Donnie's shoulder and says, rest easy, good buddy. We're doing fine. We've got help choppering in. Well, it must not have been fine. No. The next shot is inside the funeral home. The man says, hello, gentlemen. You're the bereaved. He's like, yeah. And the guy goes, Francis Donnelly, pleased to meet you. And the dude goes, Jeffrey Lebowski. It's the only time in the movie that he calls himself anything but the dude. You're right, yeah. And Walter says, Walter Sabchak. And the dude goes, oh, the dude actually is, ah, never mind. And the mortician goes, I assume this is on a credit card? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't have high hopes. So he, he hands, he hands the, or Walter reaches over and takes the big leather thing and uh, looks at and uh, takes his glasses and like wraps them weirdly around his head to read that. Yeah. He goes, what's this? Well, that's for the urn. Oh, we don't need it. We're, sh- we're scattering the ashes. Well, well can oh, we just, uh, $80? They range up to $3,000. Uh, we're, uh... <clears throat> Can't we just rent it from you? Yeah. So this is a mortuary, not a rental house. We're scattering the fucking ashes. But just because we're bereaved doesn't make us sad. Sir, please lower your voices. Man, don't you have, you know, something uh, else we can put them in? You know? That is our most... Modestly priced receptacle. God damn it! Is there a Ralph's around here? So the next scene is apparently at Point Doom. See, a, uh, Walter is, uh, they're looking out over the Pacific. Yep. Walter is holding a Folgers coffee can. Yep. <laughs> and they obviously bought it Ralph's and dumped out and added the remains. Takes the can and he holds it with both hands and shakes it to get the ashes out. As the wind blows it all into <laughs> the dude's face and beard and sunglasses. And he stands motionless while the uh, remains blow. Donnie was a good bowler and a good man. He was, he was one of us. He was a man who loved the outdoors and bowling. And as a surfer, he explored the beaches of Southern California from La Jolla to Leo Carrillo and up to Pismo. He died. He died as so many young men of his generation before his time. In your wisdom, Lord, you took him. As you took so many bright, flowering young men at Quezon, at Londoc, at Hill 364. 
These young men gave their lives. So did Donnie. Donnie, who loved bowling. And so, Theodore Donald Karabatsos, in accordance with what we think your dying wishes might well have been, we commit your final mortal remains to the bosom of the Pacific Ocean, which you love so well. Good night, sweet prince. Dude, I'm sorry. Goddamn wind. Fuck. God damn it, Walter. You fucking asshole. Dude, I'm sorry. It's a fucking travesty with you, man. Dude, I'm sorry. It was an accident. What was that shit about Vietnam? Dude, I'm sorry. What the fuck does anything have to do with Vietnam? Dude, I'm what sorry. What the fuck are you talking about? Dude, I'm sorry. Walter. And he gives Walter a weaker shove. And then Walter seems dazed. And then he just hugs the dude. Yeah. And Walter goes, ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Come on, dude. Hey, fuck it, man. Let's go bowling. So now we're back at the bowling alley for the last time. And the dude walks up to the bar. Old sodas, Gary. Right. Good luck tomorrow. Yeah, thanks, man. Oh, sorry to hear about Donnie. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you eat the bar and sometimes, uh, you know. Hey, man. How do you do, dude? I wonder if I'd see you again. I wouldn't miss the semis. How oh, things yeah? been going? Oh, well, you know, strikes and gutters, ups and downs. Sure, I've got you. Yeah. Thanks, Gary. Well, take care, man. Gotta get back. Sure. Take it easy, dude. Oh, yeah. I know that you will. Yeah, well, the dude abides. <laughs> the dude abides. I don't know about you, but I take comfort in that. Good knowing he's out there, the dude, taking her easy for all us sinners. Shush. I sure hope he makes the finals. Well, that about does her. Wraps her all up. Things seem to have worked out pretty good for the dude and Walter. And it was a pretty good story, don't you think? Made me laugh to beat the band. Parts anyway. I didn't like seeing Donnie go. But then I happen to know that there's a little Lebowski on the way. I guess that's the way the whole darn human comedy keeps perpetuating itself. Down through the generations. Westward the wagons. Across the sands of time until we... Oh, look at me. 
I'm rambling again. Well, I hope you folks enjoyed yourselves. Catch you later on down the trail. Say, friend, you got any more of that good sarsaparilla? These were the guys that were considered for uh, the Big Lebowski. It was originally they approached Robert Duvall. Right. He did not like the script. <laughs> then they went to Anthony Hopkins, who was not interested in playing an American. Gene Hackman was taking a break from acting at the time. Yeah, he'd have been good. Yeah. Although he wouldn't have seemed helpless enough. Right. I mean, it's, part of the part of the the way that works is I don't know. I think you you need the Lebowski to act tough. Gene Hackman would have seemed tough. You need a guy who's clearly just acting tough. Right. Right. He's right. Not really. And other guys they apparently discussed and if they offered it to them all. Right. Norman Mailer, George C. <laughs> Scott, my personal favorite, Jerry Falwell, <laughs> Gore Vidal, Andy Griffith, William F. Buckley. And Ernest Borgnine. Oh, Ernest Borgnine would have been great. Yeah. The Coen's number one choice for the role was Marlon Brando, and even had him in mind with, while writing the script. But Brando couldn't star in the film due to health issues. Uh, according to Julianne Moore, the character of Maud was based on artist Carol Lee Schneeman, who worked naked from a swing and on Yoko Ono. Ah, okay. The character of Jesus Quintana was inspired in part by a performance the Coens had seen John Turturro give in 1988 at the Public Theater in a play called Mi Puta Vida, in which he played a pederast-type character. So we thought, let's make Turturro a pederast. It'll be something he can really run with. (laughs) Uh, They wrote The Big Lebowski about the same time as Barton Fink. Uh, When they wanted to make it, John Goodman was filming episodes for Roseanne. And Jeff Bridges was making uh, the Walter Hill film Wild Bill, so the Coens made Fargo in the meantime. Pretty good little film. Uh, in order to liven up a scene they thought was too heavy an exposition, they added an effete art world hangers-on named Knox Harrington. No script, the, the dude's car was a Chrysler the Baron, yep. because Dowd had owned one. But the car was not big enough to fit John Goodman, so the Coens changed it to a Ford Torino. This is a great story. Okay, so uh, T-Bone Burnett was in charge of the music, and... He wanted the movie to end with the Towns Van Zandt cover of the Rolling Stones' Dead Flowers. Uh, former Stones manager Alan Klein owned the rights to the song and wanted $150,000 for it. Burnett convinced Klein to watch an early cut of the film and remembers it got to the part where the dude says, I hate the fucking Eagles, man. He said, Klein stood up and said, that's it, you can have the song. <laughs> uh, Burnett was going to be credited on the film as music supervisor, but asked his credit be changed to music archivist because he hated the notion of being a supervisor. I wouldn't want anyone to think of me as management. <laughs> Reviews for the movie were mostly good. Uh, Janet Maslin praised Bridges' performance in a review for the New York Times. He said, Mr. Bridge, Bridges finds a role so right for him that he never seems to have been anywhere else. Watch his performance to see shambling executed with nonchalant grace and a seemingly out-to-lunch character played with the comic flair. Andrew Saris in the New York Observer wrote, The result is a lot of laughs and a feeling of awe towards the craftsmanship involved. I doubt that there'll ever be anything else like it. Uh, in a five-star review for Empire Magazine, Ian Nathan wrote, For those who delight in the Coen's divinely abstract take on reality, this is pure nirvana. And in a perfect world, all movies would be made by the Coen brothers. <laughs> and Roger Ebert gave the film three stars out of four, describing it as wildly engaging. Roger always... No, excuse man, me, as weirdly engaging. Weird, weirdly, weirdly engaging, yeah. Roger, right, man, Roger was great. Roger always knew, right? 
But in a 2010 review, he raised his original score to four stars. There you go. And added the film to his great movies list. However, Uh Jonathan Rosenbaum wrote in Chicago Reader, to be sure, The Big Lebowski is packed with show-offy filmmaking as a result of... And as a result, is pretty entertaining, but insofar as it represents a moral position, and the Coens' relative styling of their figures invariably does, it's an elitist one, elevating salt-of-the-earth types like Bridges and Goodman over anyone else in the movie. Did he watch the same movie that we did? What does any of that even mean? And then Dave Kerr, in his review for the Daily News, criticized the film's premise as a tired idea as it produces episodic, unstrung film. I'm sorry, a tired idea? Yeah, yeah we've all seen so many yeah. movies of a stoner, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, trying to find a kidnapped uh, victim. Guardian criticized the film as a bunch of ideas shoveled into a bag and allowed to spill out at random. The film is infuriating and will win no prizes. Okay. But it does have some I- terrific jokes. Okay, a bunch of ideas spilled out into a bag. I kind of, I can buy that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're not wrong. They're not wrong there. By the way, Anthony Hopkins. Hold on. You said earlier he turned it down because he didn't want to play an American. Yeah, he just played Nixon like a few years prior to this movie. Like in the movie Nixon, he was Nixon. Uh, Steve Buscemi had just been in Fargo. David Huddleston was the big Lebowski. We talked about him. Mark Pellegrino played the blonde three tree horn thug, and he went on to play Jacob in Lost. He basically played okay. God. In Lost. Let's see. Flea played Nihilist number two. Right. John, do you know John Goodman and I did a movie together? Although we did not work together. Was it Meet the Coopers? It was uh, Love the Coopers. The great John Goodman. Love the Coopers, not Meet the Coopers. That's a different. That's a sequel. It was, <laughs> that's Meet right. the Coopers. Yes. In an interview with Rolling Stone magazine, John Goodman stated that the dude referring to the Big Lebowski as a human paraquat was one of the only improvised lines to make it into the final film. Everything, virtually every other line, including every man and dude, was scripted. Including every man and dude. A lot of the dude's clothes in the movie were Jeff Bridges' own clothes, including his jelly sandals, which he still owns and uses to this day. Okay. The dude says man 147 times in the movie, nearly one and a half per minute. Oh, this is great. In the clean version for television broadcast, the famous line, this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, was changed to, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> That's like um, yippee ki <laughs> Mr. Falcon from Die Hard. <laughs> uh, yes. It's frequently cited as one of the most creative edits made for a film to be aired on television. It's a creative edit, all right. After having been cast in the film, Jeff Bridges, no stranger to working on films that would have constant script rewrites, called John Goodman to ask uh, when they'd get the rewrites. Goodman, a longtime collaborator of the Coens, told Bridges the film was Cohen territory and they didn't rewrite their own material. John Turturro originally thought he was going to have a bigger role in the film. When he read yeah. the script, he realized the part was quite small. However, the Coen brothers let him come up with a lot of his own ideas for the character, like shining the bowling ball and the scene where he dances backwards, which he says was inspired by Muhammad Ali. Yeah, T-Bone Burnett is cited as music consultant, uh, and he helped Joel and Ethan Coen establish the dude's taste in music. Burnett selected many of the existing songs in the movie and also suggested the dude's hatred towards the Eagles. <laughs> Burnett himself was not a fan. One of the band's members, Glenn Fry, was reportedly so dismayed about this that he once angrily confronted Jeff Bridges at a party. Now, what's oh, here- Jeff? That's so stupid. What's Jeff Bridges supposed to do? Right. He's an actor. Yeah. 
Well, it's not like Glenn Fry reacted to anything. How would he know? <laughs> oh, wait, that's right. He acted lots of stuff. Yeah. Okay, here's the timeline on the check. Okay. The dude writes a 69-cent check at Ralph's. He watches George H.W. Bush give the This Aggression Will Not Stand press interview live on television. President Bush gave the interview on the White House lawn on Sunday, August 5th, 1990, three days after the Iraq army invaded Kuwait. The dude's check, however, is dated September 11th, 1991, indicating that the dude is so broke he had to post-date a 69-cent check by over a year. Oh, Benny, Bunny's license plate was Lapin, L-A-P-I-N. That's the French word for rap. The dude has a habit of repeating phrases he hears from other characters. The George Bush speech, this aggression will not stand, is repeated by the dude to the Big Lebowski. Brant tells the dude that her life is in your hands, which the dude repeats during the ransom delivery. Walter tells the dude uh, that nothing is fucked. The dude repeats it in the limo. Maud Lebowski uses the phrase parlance of our times. The dude repeats that one in the limo as well. Yep. Uh, the Big Lebowski says he will not abide another toe. At the end of the movie, the dude abides. The He threatens Larry with genital mutilation like the nihilist did in the bathroom. In fact, many of the main characters do the same thing, except not always with the phrases they've heard. For example, the treehorn thugs say, do you see what happens, Lebowski, when Wu is peeing on the rug? And Walter says, do you see what happens, Larry, when he is smashing the Corvette? Walter says the Chinaman is not the issue here in the bowling alley. And then in the next scene, the Big Lebowski says, my wife is not the issue here. Uh, Jesus uses the phrase, I fucked you in the ass. And this is later repeated by one of the nihilists and rephrased by Walter as this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. And perhaps the most repeated phrase, what the fuck are you talking about, is first used by the dude in the first bowling scene and then repeated and paraphrased throughout the movie by the dude, Walter, Donnie, and Dufino. That well, seems pretty easy to write a script. You just cut and paste. That's all you got to do. When questioned, the Coen brothers co- commented that they never considered the psychological implications of Maud wanting a baby with a man who has the same name as her. The dude drinks nine white Russians during the course of the movie. He drops one of them at Jackie Treehorn's mansion. So that's the one he didn't finish. So who would you play in this movie? Jackie Treehorn. <laughs> <laughs> And you? I would be Donnie. Donnie. Yeah. Just want to throw in the... What's, what happened, What happened, dude? <laughs> Phone's ringing, dude. Phone's ringing, dude. I think I could do that. Thank, thank you, Donnie. Uh, see, I think um, Malibu Police Chief. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah. He'd have been great. I hate your stupid face. I hate your stupid... There's a lot of perfect casting in the movie. Yes. The dude, Walter... Donnie, Jackie Treehorn, Brant. Right. I really can't think of anybody. Julianne Moore. Yeah. Well, in Julianne Moore, they had her for a week at the beginning of the movie and a week at the end of the movie because she was filming Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Oh, nice. All right. So it is time to spin, spin the, wheel. the wheel of names. Nice. And I think, if you agree, we should just continue to spin the joint wheel. Well, I would say you're, you're the winner of tonight's podcast, so I, it's, it's your choice. All right, we're going, to do, we're going to spin the duplicates list, which Ooh. is now down three movies. Oh! So the movies are Fletch, mm-hmm. Goodfellas, and Young Frankenstein. Oh, my. We cannot go wrong no. here. There is no... 
There's no wrong movie here. No. So here we go. You cannot stop us. You can only hope to contain us. Oh, there it is. There it comes. Ooh. Oh, 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 oh. Oh! Oh, my. The crowd is going insane. Erwin M. Fletcher. <laughs> so that'll be good. Yeah, Come I've on. told you that I um, I am reading the Fletch books. There's 10 of them, 11 maybe, and I'm on, well, I'm on three. I kind of lost a little momentum there. Um, okay. But yes, and I won't bore everyone with the differences. I'll touch on it a little bit when we do the movie. Uh, but there are a few considerable plot changes in the in the original Fletch. Okay. Uh, they cut out one entire subplot, which I was glad. When I read it in the book, I'm like, oh, I'm glad that was in the movie. So, well, thanks a lot, Mike. All right. Thank you. This was fun. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Many of us have herpes. 